today, but I wanted to discuss an interesting topic. Um, I think we're all taught probably when we're, you know, three or four years old, you know, not to take revenge. You know, that's certainly an ideal that uh, is pretty basic. But is it ever really justified to uh, take revenge? I'm assuming you don't. In the kitchen. I'm assuming you're not talking about Pinchas, right? You're just talking about Tom. Somebody did something to me, so I'm going to, you know, nail him back. You're not talking about Kanampa. Um, I don't know. I guess you could fill in the blanks about uh, what I should be talking about or not. You know, let's try to look at the broad topic and see uh, what the different uh, factors are. So I guess we're taught, you know, in the Torah that uh, we're losikom, like we're not supposed to take revenge. Even losita, we're not supposed to bear the grudge in our hearts. Um, but I think it might be helpful to clarify, like, what that's all about, like, whether or not there are, like, exceptions. If there aren't exceptions, why there shouldn't be exceptions. And maybe uh, if we get a little more clarity, I think it would be helpful for, uh, for us to be able to approach the topic in uh, the best way that we can. So uh, I guess... You know, one way to start is, let's say, you know, like you were saying, Yaakov, uh, you know, is revenge ever justified? Hello, Simcha, Shalom. Um, so what would you say? Like, is there any time that it's appropriate, um, understandable, um, justified, a good thing to maybe take revenge against someone who has hurt us? So I don't know. What, what are what are some of our thoughts about that? Only Rishayim, right? Or it's not. It's not really revenge. It's not for us. It's a. It's not personal. It can't be personal. Low seeker, low seeker, but it can't be personal. Right. Okay. That's that's one rule. It can't be personal. Rather, it can be what? For Kavod Shemayim. Um, on some level, I, I'm very hesitant to say these things because I don't look at that as revenge. I, I don't revenge is somebody did something. I mean, the American definition is somebody did something to me, and I'm going to do something to them. Even in Stam, again, Pashup Shat and Losikim is don't do to him what he did to you. Lositer is don't you know tell him that I'm not going to be like you because you. There's always a, a reactionary action, and. What we're talking about it has nothing to do with that. Like, it, like, like, it's not because of uh, somebody did anything to me at all. Right. Rather, what? Would, how would you describe it? We're administering justice on some level. I, I'm scared to go down this road. I'm very hesitant to say anything. Um, well, it sounds like you said something that's very helpful. Like, separating justice from revenge might be a very important thing. Um, and, you know, there might be, you know, Besden has a responsibility to carry out justice at times, and sometimes it could be that even someone acting on his own, maybe like in a Pinchas kind of situation, is in charge of justice, but it sounds like you're separating that those might be two separate things. There might be, like, how is a person supposed to get the justice for what uh, they've done? And then that may or may not be 
included in what we refer to as taking revenge against someone. Right, I actually saw a really cool TED Talk today when I was thinking about this. I was looking online and seeing if anyone uh, says something about the topic. And I saw there was a lady whose grandparents had gone, maybe her grandma, you know, had gone through the Holocaust. And at some point, like she, you know, had lost, you know, all of her family, her parents, her uncles, her aunts, her cousins. And she was pretty much the only one remaining um, from her family. But at the end of the war, the uh, Russians had invaded whichever part of uh, Europe they were in. And she found herself hiding with some Germans, you know, from the Russian invasion. And when the Russians came into wherever their hideout was, they wanted to know, um, they wanted to know about whether or not there were any Germans there. So her grandma was stuck, you know, trying to figure out like, hey, should we tell on these Germans who are with us? Should we not tell on the Germans? And she ended up not telling on the Germans. So this granddaughter was asking herself an interesting question was, did she do the right thing or not? Like in a way right now she's safe. The Germans are not in a position to do anything to be hurtful. And in a way, like what's she gaining by uh, putting them into uh, danger by being in the hands of the Russians. On the other hand, you know, these are the people who may have been involved in killing her family, many other families. So she was bringing up this concept. Uh, she's like, she left it as an open-ended question. Like, what would you do? Or what would you think the right thing to do is? Should you um, give over these uh, Germans to the Russians or should you not do that? Like, is it appropriate to take revenge in such a scenario or is it not appropriate? So, I don't know. So, she asked the question. Now, I could ask you guys the question. I don't know. What do you think? Like, what, what, would, what would be the right thing to do? Assuming that it's, she's not in danger and no one's in danger from these Germans, would you hand them over to the Russians or not? Why are you calling it specifically revenge? Does it have to be revenge or it could be a different word? Such as justice, like you said, whatever. But why? I mean, it depends. You know, revenge. A lot, of, a lot of times, doing the same thing depends on motivation. One is revenge, and one is justice. It could be justice, could be justified, could be correct, could be incorrect. But depending on the motivation, it's a different act. Right. So really, that 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 was the initial thought that went through my mind, which is really, you know, what Yaakov was saying before. There's a difference between justice and revenge. But then we have to ask the question, so who's in charge of justice? Like, are we in charge of carrying out the justice in the world? When are we in charge? Let's say we're a parent. You know, are we now in charge of justice? If we're the principal, if we're a teacher, you know, let's say someone's calling out in class and they're really annoying to us. Like, are we in charge of the justice that they deserve to be punished? You know, or say it just really highlights, like getting the, these concepts clear. You know, there's probably revenge, there's probably justice, there's probably chinuch, you know, and sometimes, you know, a lot of these things get confused and probably separating, you know, each of the different things 
and making it clear, like what are, what are each of these things? What are the parameters and how do we relate to, uh, you know, there's a concept that Revolbi uh, talks about when he talks about Chinuch in the Ali Shur. He says, you got to make sure that you separate uh, Nekama from Chinuch. And he says that, you know, your initial reaction, our initial reaction is probably, what are you talking about? I'm not involved in the Kama, I'm involved in Chinuch. And he says, you know, it's important to make sure that that's true and it's very easy to slip from one to the next. But even as far as justice, like are we, when are we in charge of carrying out justice? And when are we not in charge of carrying out justice? You know, it's a tricky kind of question to uh, make sure that we're asking ourselves. So I think that's one thing, like trying to figure out like what is justice? Who's in charge of justice? Are we ever in charge of justice? And then there's a separate thing, like is revenge itself ever justified? So, so one thing Masil Sasharm tells us, sorry, Yaakov, is there, one second. Oh yeah, what do you say? It, uh, I heard once before like, like, let's say somebody punches your kid in the face. Like, you're supposed to teach your kid to punch back in the moment. It will be okay. After the fact, it's not okay. But in the moment, for some reason, I guess, like, it's like self-defense, maybe. I don't know what I, so Oh, so that's important, Yosef. That sounds like a fourth category, which is really self-defense might be different than justice. And it might be different than revenge. And... You know, that might be like a separate kind of thing. So let's look at the Masil Sasharm says an interesting thing by, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, Chesky? Uh, I just want to stand up for Yosef. I don't think he was talking about I can't hear you so clearly. I don't think Yosef was talking about self-defense. I think he was talking about something that's brought down and you're shown him at very least uh, about physical nikama in the time, at the, in the moment being, being different. Maybe it's in the Chinuch, actually. I'm not, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's such a... Right. I don't remember where it was from, but I just remember hearing it. <laughs> right. I think the Chavetz Chaim brings it down. He talks about in the Baramayim Chaim that there's, there's also, it's really a fifth category. It's called understandable um, reactions, which may really objectively not be appropriate, but might be, we might be in the category of an ones, meaning even when it's not self-defense, you know, self-defense is like one thing where we need to protect ourselves for now and maybe the future. But the Chavetz Chaim brings down in uh, the Bermaim Chaim, he says that, you know, there's um, another concept, which is really that we can't help ourselves at times. If someone embarrasses us or if someone hits us, even if the danger has gone away, but we might have a normal, understandable reaction that, we may not be held accountable for because it might be too difficult for us. So we got to make sure if as adults, it might be too hard for us. We certainly don't hold our kids responsible to be uh, more capable than uh, an adult Balbachira. But so getting all these things, like putting each of them into the proper box and then clarifying each of those boxes where what each one is, you know, there's justice, there's self-defense, there's, that which is impossible to avoid or almost impossible to avoid. There's revenge. So let's say you talk about revenge itself. So the Masil Sasharm says that when it comes to revenge, if someone hurt us, and so he says in Nikias, he says that 
it's such a difficult thing to deal with our emotional pain of being hurt and insulted by other people. So he says that in a way, it's Elbona Shaladim is Kashim Oldi Malitz Mimenu. He says it's like such a difficult thing to avoid. And he says the basic reaction that we often have based on that is that we're looking for some sort of reprieve, some sort of menucha, you know, from this emotional pain. And he says that for whatever reason, our general reaction is that the way to find menucha from our emotional pain is to look toward revenge as some sort of way to appease the emotional turmoil that's going on within us. So it sounds like he's telling us that revenge is often a response to our trying to find some sort of way of being more at ease from our emotional pain that we have when we're hurt. He says, ideally, the Torah says that we're responsible to really avoid all kinds of, well, any aspect of revenge and even any aspect of holding a grudge. And he says that really there's a mitzvah to uh, really be just as much of a friend to this person, practically as far as how we help him, emotionally how we feel about him, and probably in our minds how we think about him which sounds like when we think about the responsibility that the, that the Mesel Susharim is telling us, Hashem holds us responsible objectively to try to reach a level which is, he says, is almost unattainable for a human being, which by definition, so how are we responsible um, to... Um, do something that's almost unattainable. So I imagine what that means is one step at a time, we're responsible to work on ourselves to get better and better to the extent that we're able to deal with our emotional pain in a more productive kind of way to the extent that hopefully uh, by the time we hit 120, we're at least somewhere on the road to have dealt with that emotional pain, you know, as much as we could without taking it out on someone else. So how fast that process should be, you know, he doesn't really get involved in that. And, but he does say that it's a very important project, but it's a very difficult project. And I guess we have to somehow assess how quickly we should do it and how we should find a better way to have reprieve from our emotional pain and to avoid the need for uh, having, um, taking revenge or bearing a grudge against others. So it sounds like he's telling us, ideally, you know, this is really what our responsibility is. At the same time, he identifies with the struggle because he says that, he says, unless you're a malach, like as long as you're part of the human race, it's very, very difficult to, um, you know, reach such a level. So uh, most of us are part of the human race, and therefore it's very difficult for us to reach that level. So how exactly... What level, what should our expectation of ourselves be? He doesn't really get involved in that. So that sounds like it's an important thing for uh, us to try to figure out on our own, which, you know, maybe is important for us to, uh, you know, talk about. Like, what should our expectations be if it's really, really hard to not take revenge and it's certainly almost impossible to not bear a grudge so I guess our general responsibility is 
you know, to try to do our best. Um, but, you know, what that means and what that's, you know, what, what does that look like to do our best? So I guess we should put that in a little box and to see our responsibility is to do our best. But why should that be true? Is maybe one question we should ask ourselves. And maybe what was hitting me is to try to do a little self-awareness test. And do we really feel like it should be true? You know, I think all of us probably were taught by our parents at five, six, seven, and eight, you know, the concept of don't take revenge, don't bear a grudge. The fact that he hurt you doesn't mean that you should hurt him. Or even greater, you know, maybe at some point we learned, you know, the Masil Sharm's kind of idea that even if he's not nice to you, but two wrongs don't make a right. So therefore, we should try to keep the relationship, you know, as positive as we can, despite whatever actions that they've done. Maybe we've gotten older and we learned that it's all minashamayim, and therefore it's, you know, those should be the thoughts that we have. But I think one test that I was trying to do on myself, and it's probably important for all of us to do is, do we really feel that's appropriate? He hurt me, but I should be nice to him. So I think our initial reaction is probably, of course, that's what we should do. Our second reaction is probably, yeah, but that's really hard. But do we really feel internally that that's really what's proper? He hurt me, but I should be just as nice to him, you know, without any self-defense kind of factors. You know, that's, also, that's an important thing. But he hurt me. And I guess the second factor is it's hard for me. You know, so those are certainly two things we should take into account. You know, maybe it's hard for me, you know, to, to reach such a level. You know, but, you know, thinking about do we really believe and understand, like, why it should be that he hurt me, but I should be really nice to him anyway? So do we relate to that as like a true, proper ideal? Or do we really feel like, no, that doesn't really make sense to me so much. It's hard to relate to. Like he hurt me, I should, I should hurt him, or at least I, I don't have to be nice to him. Why should I have to be nice to him? So what are your thoughts? That, that, that's my first like, thing that I wanted to like, really share is the sense trying to get a sense for ourselves. Like, do we really relate to this ideal and value, this Torah um, concept? Do we really relate to it in a way that it makes sense to us? You know, giving charity to the poor, you know, that makes sense to us. You know, a lot of Torah ideals are easy to relate to. Some Torah ideals are very hard to relate to. So what about this one? Someone hurt me, but it's my responsibility to do my best to be really nice and caring to that person. So, I don't know, what are your thoughts? I don't think that we have, that most people have such an easy time relating to that, like when we're true to like what our real thoughts and feelings are about the matter. But um, I don't know, that's just my gut feeling. What are your thoughts? easy but it doesn't mean it's not something to work on who said it's easy i mean why does it have to be easy why is easy important i don't hear you so clearly simcha i don't know if it's me or if it's i'll try again is this a little more clear can you hear now yeah thank you 
No problem. Um, why? It's definitely not easy. It is one of the more difficult mitzvahs, or whatever. It's up there, you know, uh, you know, things to stay away from. It's definitely difficult, definitely challenging. We're talking about something where you have, I think sort of the common denominator of the things you're talking about seems to be where you have a natural gut reaction. You know, every kid reacts to these type of things. As we're younger, we react. And it's something that's a lifelong process, like you said, to work on. It's definitely a challenge. And I think you seem to be saying also that I guess we're judged for where we could be on the spectrum, on the levels of growth of this lifelong process. I would imagine each person's judged based on their potential levels of where they could be reached along the spectrum at any point of their life. I would imagine if a person could have been further and didn't work, didn't do the work that he could have, then he'd be held accountable for it. You know, each person's judged Kafi their potential, Kafi their growth, their level of education, their opportunity for learning Torah, all the classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, it's not, and, and it's never going to be easy because these are the gut reaction things. You know, guy like like he, the other guy, like someone was mentioning, guy punches you in the face. Your first reaction to punch him back. I mean, that's just it's a gut reaction. Right. So, so it's not. So it's definitely not easy. But I don't know why that's. It'll never be easy, and we should always be working on it. And 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 God figures out the accounting of where we should be up to, and we have to do our best to continue trying, like you said. Um, but I don't think we should limit ourselves and say it's impossible. We can't do anything. Right. We try to strive for growth and do better today than we did yesterday. And, and even if we have like an initial, like sometimes I'll have an initial reaction to something that somebody says to me. And then it's also, I think maybe we're, maybe Hashem also wants us to see how long does it take us to get over that? You know, maybe it used to take me a week and now I could do it in six days and I get past it, you know, and maybe in two years it'll take me five days. I think that's Mm -hmm. called growth also, you know. Simply, can I clarify one thing? I think from what you're highlighting, it makes it more clear to me what I was trying to express is we, I think we all knew and know that it's hard to reach the level of accomplishing the being at the points where we cannot have our negative feelings toward the other person, despite the fact that they hurt us. But it never really hit me that the ideal itself is not such an easy thing to relate to. You know, there's, always like different steps in uh, trying to work on, the pro- on the, any process that relates to morals and values and Torah ideals. There's one thing which relates to understanding and appreciating why this is a proper moral value and why it's a proper moral expectation. And then there's the second thing of how do I get there? Like how can I control my thoughts, my feelings, my attitudes, my behaviors, my speech? you know, in order to get to the place that I would want to get to. So I don't think I ever worked on trying to relate to the moral um, concept of if he hurt me, I should not be allowed to hurt him. Like, I think if you think about the American mindset, you know, the standard mindset from, you know, that we're exposed to all the time, like, I don't think that you would find it being in line with the Torah ideal. Like, I think most people would have a sense of, there's a certain sense of justice, you know, which, you know, we separated before a little bit, you know, that I think from a Jewish perspective, one of the things that's very helpful is 
re- the recognition that all justice is really in the hands of God. You know, we're not in charge of justice at all. You know, which I think is one of the things that can help us, you know, get to the place where we can understand the moral appropriateness of trying to treat someone else, you know, the way we're, we would treat um, in the same kind of way, despite the fact that they've hurt us. But so I think, you know, when I, when I was thinking it through, that was one of the things that came to my mind is, you know, just trying to figure out, like, what are the different factors that are involved in understanding and appreciating, you know, the fact that it's morally inappropriate to treat someone differently based on the fact that they've hurt us. So one of the things is really separating the justice, you know, from our feelings, our behaviors, and our, you know, our thoughts. And because really, as long as they're connected, let's say we don't subject ourselves to that mindset of, don't worry about it, justice is in the hands of God. Hashem will take care of whatever justice is necessary. If that wasn't true, then when someone hurts us, there is a concept of justice. Like, hey, I'm going to let him get away with it. That's not appropriate. He should have to face justice, which I think is a very common kind of mindset that seeps into our way of thinking. Just give me one second, Kaski. Just like when we contrast those two ways of thinking with justice being part, the fact that justice is appropriate and the fact that we're in charge of justice are two very different things. And that certainly plays a very big role in whether or not it's appropriate for me to treat the person differently. Like, because if you take out the justice factor, doesn't he have to face justice for what he's done to me? If yeah, but that, that does, I think uh, we can identify pretty easily in, in our feelings that, that it's, we can see it's not really coming from justice. We could pinpoint that because uh, I think the argument could makes very well be made that if we were so concerned about justice, then our reaction would be the same, uh, whether it was ourselves that was hurt or somebody yeah. else. Right. Uh, justice. So, so from that, just from that perspective, uh, that helps us see that our feelings right now are not justice. We just saw him do it to the other guy and it didn't bother me. Right. So that, that should like clear the water a little bit mm-hmm. from our, from our like uh, warped. Um, right. For sure. That definitely sounds like it can help us get that self-awareness to recognize, you know, once we've separated those two things in our minds and we could try to recognize, you know, I think if you listen to uh, many or most conversations about um, someone having done something wrong, there, there will often be some sort of confusion between, um, you know, what the different roles are, what a person that a person can potentially be playing. Like if you're talking about a teacher, a parent, you know, let's say for ourselves, if we're talking about, you know, chinuch for our children or people who are in our, you know, frame of uh, reference. So, a lot of times, you know, I'm trying to teach you know, it's very different than I'm in charge of justice. Or I was hurt, I was insulted, you know, is not related to teaching. You know, the more we can separate each thing into its proper place, it helps us have the right kind of thoughts and the right kind of um, reactions and the kind of right kind of way of treating the other person. 
So I think that's one thing that Chesky is saying, that the more we can separate in our minds and recognize, is there something personal here? And if there is something personal here, so to recognize it's probably not coming from a sense of justice. It's probably coming from the fact that our ego was hurt. Now, when our ego is hurt, also then separating, there's a very big difference between it's hard for me and it's proper for me. You know, those are two very different kinds of thoughts and reactions. The fact that something is hard for me is very understandable and appropriate. The fact that it's proper for me to treat the person differently is very, very different. It's not necessarily justified, it's understandable. And there's a very big difference between our feelings and our reactions being understandable and our feelings and reactions being appropriate that we should um, that it's proper for me to, uh, you know, react in this kind of way is very different than it's very understandable. And maybe it's even in line with where I'm up to right now. And I can't expect myself and shouldn't expect myself to be different. So separating it's hard versus it's justified. Separating, you know, the uh, fact that I'm teaching versus the fact that I'm reacting. Separating the fact that I'm carrying out justice from the fact that I'm, you know, just reacting because I was, I've been hurt. You know, these kinds of mindsets are so important. So one of the things that came to mind is really when we think about why should we be nice to others? You know, what's our motivation? Where's it coming from? Also plays a very big role in how responsible are we to treat someone else nicely, even if they've hurt us. So let's say if you think about like a marriage in, from a secular standpoint. So uh, people make their vows, they make their commitments, not just to stay together, but, you know, I promise through thick and thin, you know, we're going to stay together. And I promise through thick and thin, I'm going to be nice to you. So I think if we ask ourselves, but what happens if, you know, our wife has a bad day? You know, someone makes that commitment, I'm going to be nice to you. So is our reaction that, but it's hard for me on a day where you're not, you know, treating me in the way that I like to be treated? Or is our feeling like, why should I be nice to you when you're not being nice to me? So I think in a way, it's such an important thing to be able to have that self-awareness. Are these the thoughts that we have when we've been mistreated? Like, is the initial thought, why should I be nice to you? Which is very, I think most of us would probably feel on one hand, we can relate to that feeling a lot. But then when we think about it, we could probably feel very guilty about having that feeling. Because like, I'm not supposed to be thinking in those terms. Like, why should I be nice to you if you're not nice to me? But I really think it's good. I don't know, this is my sense. And I want to know what you think about it. My sense is that that's the initial core belief that most people have. You know, we've been taught that we should expect ourselves to not be thinking in that kind of way. Because if when we're five, we're not supposed to react when someone hurts us. So then like we're made to like ex expect ourselves to not think in those terms. But I think that's really the starting point. The normal human thought pattern is if you hurt me, like why should I be nice to you? So I don't know. Tell me if I'm uh, just... If I'm the only one who thinks in those terms, but I don't think it's true. I think that's really 
the beginning of human development is really that that's the starting point. Without us developing a sense and appreciation of why we shouldn't feel that way, we're not going to naturally feel any different than that. If you hurt me, why should I be nice to you? So I would challenge any husband to uh, look into their minds and to think that they're not thinking in those terms. I mean, I think it's certainly appropriate for us to be thinking in the terms of when you're not nice to me, it's hard for me to be nice to you. So that's a Torah value, and that's very understandable, and that's appropriate. But do we also think, if you're not nice to me, why should I be nice to you? So I don't know, am I the only one who thinks that way? Or is that a common uh, thought pattern? So what well, do you maybe say? Maybe, maybe self-defense gets involved over there. <laughs> because you kind of, it, part of it is like, I, I need some, I need my spouse to be nice to me going forward. Like I can't, I can't, you know, I, I need that going forward. So I can't like go forward being nice if I'm not going to have that going forward as well. It's not necessarily purely like revenge. Maybe, I don't know. It's just a thought. Right now I hear what you're saying, Chesky. I think that's true as well. And it's probably more than one thought pattern that we have. Like we probably have the thought pattern. It's hard for me. We probably have the thought pattern that I have to figure out how to be assertive about my needs, which is important and necessary in a relationship. But I think this is also a piece in the puzzle that I know for myself that I've never really recognized it in such a clear way that, you know, we know, like, let's say we want to work on Avas Hashem. So we know, okay, Avas Hashem requires a process of developing the appreciation of Avas Hashem. We don't expect ourselves to have such, you know, a th such thoughts and feelings, you know, to the highest extent, you know, when we're, you know, working on ourselves, you know, we're working on Zahiras and a little Zerizus every once in a while, maybe a little Makias every once in a while, but like reaching the levels of Avas Hashem, you know, those are very, very difficult um, thoughts and feelings, you know, to achieve. So I think any ideal and value that we don't work on we're not going to be able to develop the kind of appreciation for it as much as if we're working on it. So I know for myself, like I never appreciated that just trying to appreciate the value of, even though you hurt me, that doesn't mean that I'm justified in not being nice to you. Like to work, to identify with the fact that that's a very, very difficult thought pattern to have. It's not just hard to reach the level that we are treating the person that way. I think it's a hard thing to really identify with not feeling like, why should I treat you nicely? The nafkamina, I think, is very extensive. You know, like there's a very huge difference in, are we really thinking that I, sh it's that I should treat you in the same kind of way, but it's very difficult for me to do so? Or are we thinking that, why should I be nice to you when you're not nice to me? So one reason to appreciate the difference is because one is proper and one is not proper. So that's, that's one reason you know, to try to recognize. Are we thinking that I want to be nice to you, but it's difficult? Or are we thinking that why should I be nice to you? So I think one reason to like try to recognize the difference between the two and to work on trying to feel more of the proper way is because it's proper. 
and we should try to have the right thoughts and feelings. I think maybe even more importantly is the fact that if we recognize the toxic nature of such thoughts and how that impacts on our relationships, both in the short term and the long term, is very, very significant. Like if we just spell out in our minds, you know, what that thought pattern leads to over the course of time. We're all going to have our complications in our relationships. We're all going to have our difficulties in the relationships. So when it comes up that we're facing that, sor- that source of friction and someone's treating us in a way that we're not so happy with. So if we're constantly going to be thinking, why should I be nice to you now? If you're not giving me the respect that I want, if you're not listening to what I'm asking you to do, if you're not following, you know, my encouragement and my direction, you know, if it's a parent to a child, if you don't listen to me, why should I be nice to you? Like imagine hearing that as a child, you know, three, four times a day. Like, why should I be nice to you when you're not uh, going to bed on time? Why should I be nice to you if you're not nice to your brother? Why should I be nice to you? You know, imagine like trying to picture from a seven-year-old's mind, you know, when those thoughts go, you know, when those words are going into their, you know, into their brains. They're constantly hearing, you know, why should I be nice to you when you don't do A, B, and C? Or let's say it's with our wives. Or maybe we could identify in the other way if it's our wives to us. Like if we're hearing, well, if you don't listen to me or if you don't do what I want, like why should I be, you know, doing what you want? So especially, you know, when we go through, you know, some of the bigger challenges in life, just recognizing the difference between no matter what you do, like I feel responsible to try to be as nice to you as I can. There are times that it's hard. And those are challenges that we want to work through or we want to accept it. And maybe I should do more. Maybe you should do more. But the difference between like, why should I be nice to you when you do A, B, and C or don't do A, B, and C versus the message of, of course, I should be nice to you. But it's difficult for me, you know, when A, B, and C is happening. You know, one of them is a very understandable, very real kind of relationship. And one of them is starts to carry with it the messages of, I don't feel committed to be nice to you under certain, certain circumstances. Like it's not my responsibility. I don't care. It's not my problem. Unfortunately, once we turn, once we turn on that mode of thinking, so it's not just why should I be nice to you? Like I'm allowed to be mean to you. I'm allowed to raise my voice to my child. I'm allowed to mistreat you because if you do A, I'm allowed to do B, C, and D, which is not just a lack of a positive. You know, it, it sort of justifies, unfortunately, very inappropriate kind of behaviors. So in a way, the more we have that mindset of these things are never justified, they're understandable. But there's a very big difference between yelling at our kid because we're frustrated we're overwhelmed. They didn't listen to us. It's hard for us. And, you know, the message of, of course, I'm responsible to be nice to you, but it's hard for me at times. is very different than the mindset of, you know, once our mind starts thinking it's justified for me to not treat you nicely, you know, it's very easy to slip into. It's justified for me to treat you in a very not nice kind of way. 
So that's, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, just getting into a little bit of, it's like a sugya, you know, it's complicated. You know, what are, what is right? What is appropriate? What causes us to start to not think in the appropriate kind of fashion? So I think it's a complicated kind of area, but the nafkamina between getting it right and not getting it right is very significant. Like trying to get into the area of what makes us feel justified to justify inappropriate behavior, as opposed to understand inappropriate behavior on our part. You know, like what messages allow us to justify yelling at our kids? You know, as opposed to like understanding that we yell at them because it's hard. But when we get into that mindset, if I'm a teacher, I'm allowed to yell at the kid who's misbehaving, as opposed to, no, I'm not allowed to do it, but it's understandable to do it. So I would imagine each of us have had teachers or parents or different authority figures who have had a hard time with this kind of balance of, I'm yelling at you, not because I'm supposed to and not because I'm justified, but because it's hard for me not to as opposed to I'm yelling at you because like you don't deserve for me to uh, be nice to you right now. You did A, B, and C. Why should I be nice to you? You know, so whether the mistake is coming from the fact that, you know, justice is served and I'm in charge of the justice system, you know, as a parent, as a teacher, you know, which is obviously not true, you know, or whether it's some sort of other cognitive uh, mistake in the way that we're thinking. So I would just encourage all of us, like, I don't have this clear. I'm just starting to work on this idea of trying to get into it to appreciate what are the kinds of cognitive thoughts that we have, you know, that relate to our justifications for mistreating others. So my guess is a lot of it comes from our environment. It comes from, I would imagine nine out of 10 Americans feel like, you know, even though they might say you're not supposed to be not nice to someone if they're not nice to you. I think it's very much part of the core of how the American society thinks that you're supposed to be nice to someone when they're nice to you. Or even if they're not nice to you specifically, they're not doing anything positive to us, but to an average person, you're supposed to be nice. If someone hurts you, we'll all say the words, you shouldn't hurt them back. But I think most of the messages that we get from society is that there's a very strong justification in treating others however we would want to treat them once they've stepped over the line. Until you step over the line, keep the golden rule. But where does the golden rule run, run out? So I would imagine most husbands, you know, when they're making their vows, you know, in the secular world, like, I'm going to be nice to you no matter what. But when you ask them, like, two months in, what about all these situations of no matter what? The, the response is not, it's hard. It's hard to keep my vows and I'm working on it. The response is, why should I? So I think identifying with that in the world around us and trying to identify with that in our own minds, like what are these thoughts? What are the actual justifications in our mind that relate to why should I? And to try to really do a little self-analysis of do I think in these terms? Why do I think in these terms? When do I think in these terms? But the nafkamina is so, so, so significant because once we start allowing ourselves in whatever situation that it is to justify inappropriate behavior as opposed to understand inappropriate behavior, once it starts being justified, 
you know, it's a very big slippery slope and it's very easy because the challenges in our lives don't go away. They're very significant. They're very challenging. And, you know, the way that we're mistreated a lot of times, at least in our minds that we are, both by our kids, our wives, our partners, our employers, our employees, there are a lot of justifications out there. So once we start allowing them in, like it's a very, very, very tricky, um, slippery slope. So I don't know, I'm new to the sugya, the whole area of trying to even analyze like these things. I think I fell into the trap that maybe some others are in as well. Like, of course we know, of course we believe. It's like Simcha was saying before, you know, like it's hard to get to that point, but I think of trying, of really being nice to someone, even when they've hurt us. But I never really got into the whole mindset of, do I have to try to do my best to be nice? When you did A, B, and C, if you stepped out of line, do I still have to be nice to you? If you didn't listen to me in class, like, do I have to be nice to you? If you didn't uh, clean your room for the seventh time, do I have to be nice to you? If you didn't, uh, you know, listen to me when I ask you to try to be nice to me in this way or that way, do I still have to be nice to you? So there's a very big difference between it's really hard for me to do it and I have no responsibility to even really try. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts. It's just like the beginning, the opening of like a whole way of, you know, introspecting how we relate cognitively to all these kinds of situations. And certainly it's a big mountain to climb, even if we recognize we're responsible. But I think it's a very hard thing, even that first step. It's tricky. Like, why should I be responsible? I think it's just as hard as Avas Hashem like to relate to the concept of it requires such a high level of chesed. So even to think in our minds that we're like, of course I believe I should be nice. Yeah, do we? It's not such an easy thing to think. Like I should be nice to him even when he's not nice to me. Like, why should I do that? That's a really hard thing to do. So even to relate to the Torah ideal properly, I think it requires a lot of development and we're probably not close to that level of development. But if we skip that step and we're just working on the next step, uh, of course I have the ideal in my mind and I totally relate to the ideal. The only thing that I'm working on is trying to implement the ideal as opposed to taking that first step and appreciating this is not an easy ideal to relate to that even when he hurts me, you know, and even when you put in the Muna and the Bitacho, I'm like, yeah, it's all from Hashem. That's true, it's all from Hashem. Philemaisa, he's a jerk. He hurt me. Why should I be nice to him? Well, it's all from Hashem. That, that, that's true. That's a very high level of relating to that, of having that kind of emunah and bitachon. But even just on a man-to-man kind of level, like, you hurt me. Like, why should I be nice to you? Well, so what is the response? Like, it's, it's even hard to know what the proper response is. Yeah, but like, I have a chiv of chesed to you, and you're at Salma Lokim. You know, these are very high levels of chesed, and they're very high levels of relating to it, Salma Lokim, in that kind of fashion. Like, I think on a, on a very realistic kind of basis, it's very hard to relate to why I should be nice to you, even when you weren't so nice to me. So I don't know, it's just the beginning of a project of trying to relate to, like, what this whole topic is about. But I think my theory is if we do a little self-analysis, we'll realize that it's not so simple to really feel 
Like, I know that I should be nice to you and I feel like it's right, it's appropriate to be nice to you, even if, I, even if you've hurt me. Like, I think we could relate to like feeling justified and that it's appropriate to mistreat someone if they haven't treated us properly. And I think it probably impacts our lives to a large extent. So I guess I would encourage uh, everyone to join in this process of trying to figure this all out. Like, what are the challenges? How do we overcome the challenges? Why is it proper? Why do we think that it is proper? What stands in the way of our thinking that it's proper? And to try to really be in touch with, uh, you know, what our true thoughts are and how to develop them in a productive kind of way. So that, that's what I got. Thoughts, questions, arguments, uh, all free. What do you say, Simcha? I think, um, first of all, I love your idea of like the whole justice thing and separating it and separating the emotions and the justice. I think it's beautiful to be able to, I, I think it's a great presentation to be able to um, analyze the different things and separate them because you could deal with them each on their own. So I think that's amazing. Um, I, Thank you. Some of, um, just some thoughts I had. I think at the highest level, at the highest level for someone at a really, really at a high level, obviously it's all about everything's from Hashem and everything's a test from Hashem. And if, if you're in a marriage, the whole idea of Azer Konegdo and the whole, at the highest level, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly, but sort of a theory is that anything that a wife is doing is actually all just a test for me to, it's all, I shouldn't say everything's a test. Everything is for my growth. And very often that these challenging situations are a test for me to grow. So it's almost like I can get upset at something or maybe I can look at it as, as this is, it's almost like a, like step back and almost think it's like a machine from Hashem. You know, it's almost, I don't know, this is a, a different type of concept, but, but like, it's almost like, like, don't personalize. It's not like, like, like it, 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 this, this is, this is exact, this is Hashem sending me a test. I mean, but this, that's at a very, that's at a very high level and it's a challenging thing to do in the moment. Um, and even the idea of responsibility and chesed, those are very high levels. I think maybe just a way, a little bit, shalolishma, balishma, something, a tool I use, um, it's a little bit shalolishma and it's even, maybe even a little, something I use is just, almost be selfish for a second. Just think about, you know, because a lot of times the people that get us upset and we want to take revenge upon us or upon or whatever, people that get us most upset are the ones closest to us. You know, often if a guy cuts me off in the street, it's, it's actually easier for me to not get upset at him as my own kids, my own wife, my own parents, my own brother, sister, those type of relationships, because these are the ones that I expect to be really nice to me. The guy in the street, okay, fine, whatever. But the people close to me, those are the ones that really get me upset because how could they do that to me? You know, they're my, they're, you know, they're my close ones. So, but, but they're also the ones that I'm kind of stuck with. It's hard, you know, the guy in the street, so he'll, he'll whiz off in his car and I'll never see him again. So fine, let him go. But the ones that I'm close with, so maybe as a first step, just try to think of just a good, again, a little shlolishma, balishma, maybe it's a tachkula of, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in this relationship, if you want to call it that for a moment. Um, so, so if I'm here and I'm going to have a relationship, what's really, yeah, what's really better for me? What, what's, what's going to be better for me? Is it going to be better for me to yell back? Is it going to be better for me to get upset? What's going to be better for my relationship? What's going to be better for me in, in, 
in, in right now? Is it going to, what's going to be better for me in five minutes? And what's going to be better long-term? If I get upset about this, if I take the revenge, if I take that justice, if I, or, or will it be better if I just do whatever it takes to, and, and, it's, and it's hard. And, and again, we're back to that difficult thing. 100% is difficult, but maybe to, allay, to, to, to make it a little easier, maybe we could use a trick of saying, I just want what's good for me right now. I, I just, I, do I want this to escalate? So if someone's going to yell at me, do I want to yell back and have this escalate? you know, and, and, oh, why should I be good to you? If you're not good to me, I'll tell you why, because if, because you're not gonna, you know, you can, you can kill them with kindness. It, it, killing them with kindness is, is much better than the other way. And uh, it, uh, it, it's just, it's just kind of do what's good for you and your relationship. Relationships are important and relationships are everything. And kind of think of what's going to be better for the relationship in the short term and the long term. And again, it's, it may not be the highest level of chesed and responsibility and Hashem and all that, but maybe it's a stepping stone to get to those levels. And we're allowed to use tools to get somewhere as long as that's our long-term goal. Maybe that's a, maybe just a, a trick to get there is, is just think, think of what's good for you right now. What's, what's going to be better. I, I don't know. You could tell me if this is kosher or not kosher, but maybe just, just, just to get there, just, just what's going to be better for my relationship. And, and, and isn't that important because I'm kind of, kind of stuck with this mother, father, sister, brother, wife, son, daughter, Talmud, Rebbe, whatever, the close people who, I re- who are the biggest challenge. I don't know. What do you think? All right, Simcha, I, I think that that's a very helpful idea. Um, but I think it's probably a good idea for that to be one piece in the puzzle. Like, I guess, like, if you look at it in the context of, if the way that I look at the person is, you're not listening to me. You're a horrible human being, and really, I'm justified to mistreat you. But it's not going to be—it's not going to be helpful to me, you know. Then, you know, if that piece in the puzzle that you're adding probably won't end up being so helpful. I think what you're presuming is, in many relationships, it's basically a good relationship, you know. But at times, we have those pockets of difficulties, and when we're having those pockets of difficulties, we need an extra chizuk. So even if we feel like we're justified to not really treat them so productively right now, but overall, they're a good person. I have a good relationship with them. I don't need to treat them in the best way right now because they're not doing what I want. But you know what? Overall, it's going to be better for me. But let's say if you take a scenario where right now I feel like I was really hurt and I don't have that background of, over the, of that thought process that overall it's a really good relationship. And this is a pocket of difficulty. Rather, I feel like, let's say I'm a Rebbe and I feel like this is a really annoying kid. If I'm the rabbi of a shul and I feel like this is like a jerk who's messing up my minion. You know, so in these kinds of scenarios, you know, I'm going to feel it's very hard. If I don't have a good sense of why should I be nice to the person for a more objective value, you know, then it's going to be complicated. So, but I think, you're, you know, what you're highlighting is a very important piece and it's going to be necessary because we're never going to be on the highest of levels. And the more we could see our personal benefit in there, it's going to be very helpful to be together with whatever other pieces in the puzzle. But let's say if you take that as one major piece in the puzzle, is that recognition that often reminding ourselves that it's the best thing for us. Another piece in the puzzle you mentioned is recognizing it's from Hashem. So it helps us not fight, you know, our acceptance of 
you know, our situation so much, you know, which is certainly one of the big AA steps, you know, accept our situation, accept our reality and try not to fight it too much because that'll help us try to make the best out of it. But I think a big part of it is really, do we look at being nice to someone else as an objective ideal, you know, on its own that, hey, I want to be a nice person. Like, so do I, am I looking to feel justified to mistreat someone? Like, am I someone who's very quick to the trigger of, of course, I'm supposed to keep the golden rule, but now when people get on my nerves, you know, the golden rule like has more exceptions, you know, than it has things that are actually in there. You know, the broader we expand the golden rule, um, the better that it is, which is really what the goal is. I guess that's really the goal of this conversation. If you have to put it into uh, a different, um, to frame it differently is, you know, how wide is our golden rule and how many exceptions do we have to that golden rule? And are there more exceptions than there are things that are in the box? You know, I'm supposed to be nice to someone except when they do A, B, C, and D. So really the Torah value system, which teaches us, no, we're supposed to be nice to people regardless. We're not supposed to criticize. We're not supposed to hurt others. We're not supposed to um, hurt people's feelings or hurt them in any other kind of way. Why? Because that's the right thing to do. You know, those are God's ways. Those are human ways. That's what we're created for is to try to be nice to others. And we should look at all the complications that stand in our lives as challenges to our purpose, challenges to our mission. But why should I be nice to you if you're not being nice to me? A big part of it is because that's the kind of person I want to be. That's why I was created, what I was created for. That's who you are as a person. You're, you're a special person. And even if you're not treating me properly in my mind, but like I should want to treat you better. So, I mean, those are some of the pieces of the puzzle. There are probably a lot more. Um, maybe let's continue this conversation at a different time. I think it's just good. Oh, no. I may I ask one question before we end? Oh, yes. Hey, Rabbi, welcome. Yeah, sorry, uh, I just made it back from the Bar Mitzvah. Uh, when you say this line about, why should I be nice to you if you're not nice to me? Is that a situation where I do not have hope for you to be nice to me ever in my life? Or I do have hope that at some point in the future, near or maybe even uh, not so near, but I still have hope that you will one day be able to be nice to me. Because if I do have that hope, it really is not sensible in any manner, shape, or form to cut it off and destroy it. That's mm -hmm. self-destruction. Right. So either I have no hope for this person to ever be nice to me, and that's a whole different kind of situation needs to be dealt with, or I'm just overwhelmed at the moment. I need to justify myself and I need to have some mindset that I don't feel about myself. That I'm a lousy person. So if I'm going to lose it and yell and do all these kind of not nice things, I can't allow myself to feel about myself. That I'm especially because I don't have that recognition yet of being able to understand it's really hard and have compassion for myself. So my natural go-to position would be to be self-condemning and, and, and self-criticizing in an absolutely destructive way. So the only self-protection is, is justified. Why do I have to be nice to you? And all the just justifications that I'll come up with to be able to explain my un uncontrolled at the moment negative behavior. Right. That definitely sounds like, it sounds like there's so many different kinds of examples where we have these kinds of mindsets of why should I be nice to you? 
and probably each of them we need to work on differently. Sounds like what Rabbi Shmoon is saying is that sometimes it's part of a much more complex kind of thought pattern where even if in other scenarios we might have an easier time understanding why we should be nice, both like Simcha was saying for our own benefit, also because for the other person's benefit, it's good to be nice to people. We're not supposed to mistreat people even if they're not treating us so nicely. You know, so sometimes it's a, based on a really um, relevant and very common kind of challenge that we have, you know, trying to justify our behavior and not feel bad and guilty when we have a hard time recognizing that it's just really, this is hard. It's complicated. It's challenging. I should try to do my best. And my best might be only a level two as opposed to a level 10 of being nice. But ideally one day, you know, hopefully I'll be able to be at a level 10. You know, that's a complex kind of thought pattern. Thought pattern. And sometimes it's easier to just slip into like, why should I be nice? But I think it's true even in a more basic kind of level. You know, the, the fourth time that our kid spills on the floor when we ask them not to, do we feel like it's hard to not yell at them? But of course we shouldn't. Or that fourth time we feel like, no, I should yell at him. It's justified to yell at him. He doesn't deserve to be treated properly at this time. So I think even in the more basic everyday kinds of scenarios, we also have this challenge. Like, why should I be nice to my employee if they showed up late for the fourth day in a row when they know that it's important to the company for them to show up on time? Like, why should I speak nicely to them? So I think even in the day-to-day challenges that we have in life, it's, it's important but challenging to have the mindset, I always am responsible to try to do my best to speak nicely and to act nicely. However, it's very difficult when someone puts us in a compromised position. So that kind of clarity that it's such an, I'm responsible to do it, but it's very difficult, is so much more of a healthier um, kind of thought pattern. And it leads to less toxic kind of relationships than the thought pattern that naturally, I think we're often taught and where we develop on our own to a certain degree that hey, if you're not listening to me or if you're not doing your job, why am I responsible to do my job? So I think, at least for myself, I always took that for granted. It never really hit me that I don't think that way. You know, that I have a hard time thinking like, hey, I should really be nice to you when you're not being nice to me. I think that's a much more common kind of thought pattern than at least um, I myself had been aware of beforehand. And the toxic nature of that kind of thought pattern, I think, is very extreme. And the more, in a way, we do what Rabbi Shmiman was saying, the more we understand how difficult it is to be nice, the easier it is to put us, ourselves in that mindset of, it's really hard to be nice to you when you do A, B, and C, or when you don't do A, B, and C. And my feelings are justified on their own, but they're justified in the context of it's difficult for me, as opposed to there's no theoretical responsibility on my part. Like it's, you know, in a way, if we keep that theoretical responsibility and we keep that mindset, I would want to be nice, but it's hard. It's so much more productive for the long-term relationship. And it's so much more productive for our own Midos development that I want to be nice no matter what. It's important to be nice no matter what, but it's hard and it's really hard and it's understandable and it's more than understandable. And it's justified 
in the context of, of the fact that it's hard, it's not justified in the context that there's no reason for it. You know, saying there's no reason for it is making a statement about ourselves. It's making a statement about the other person. It's making a statement about the Torah. And that statement is something that I think it's tricky to develop a mindset that doesn't have that statement in it. And it's important to really break down, you know, our own thought patterns and to try to figure out, do we think about it? Why do we think about it? When do we think about it? What should we do about it? And to slowly uh, get into the sugya a little more. So I don't know, this is um, my first uh, jump into uh, the sugya of trying to figure it out. So hopefully uh, we'll get something out of it. You're way ahead of a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Call it code. Jump in with me. We'll, we'll try to figure <laughs> it out together. <laughs> okay. Hatzlacharava. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, joining. I have to run, but please feel free to uh, continue the conversation. Okay. Hatzlacharava. Be well. Amen. Take care. Rabin. Okay, yes, I'm here with, with the Eilam, and uh, wow, we can go a long time on this topic. Rabin, I just, I don't, I don't want to go long. I, I'm just very, one pushet step. Sure as you like, go ahead. The, the one the thing I would think about is, is the one Godol I would think about that personified the um, not getting into Machlokas and, and, and not revenge, not even being a Havmina, would be Rav Arya Levin, who would let people run roughshod over him. Oh my. And not just from him, from other Gadolim also. You read the stories, which I'm a big fan of the biographies. Yes. There, there's one Nakuda through it. It has nothing to do with anything that ever happened. I'm surprised Rabbi Goldman didn't go down this road because it is really his, oh, most of his speeches are about this. It has nothing to do with the other guy. It has to do with yourself. Yeah. How do you view it? Do you understand where he's coming from? Are you like making up where he's coming from, what's going on in his life? Why, why are you, Bichlal has nothing to do with you and him. There's no you and him. It's he did something, how are you taking it? Right. That's, that has nothing to do, there's no sheiches. But, but it's a very hard thing. I'm just assuming, tell me if this makes sense to you also, that it's very hard for us to sort of recognize the reality that we could really be so hurt and so overwhelmed by, you know, the child spilling the milk the fourth time or the kid running around the classroom or the boss being nasty to us, etc., or our spouse ignoring us. It's very hard for us to sort of come to that realization that we are so vulnerable to these things that they thereby cause us to want to somehow, um, you know, react in a in a not good way, either by lashing out or by shutting down, whatever it might be. So that's a very big accomplishment to somehow be accepting of our own <coughs> significant weakness slash vulnerability. But that's not an accomplishment. Well, if I if I want if, if the way that I react to but it, that's is, not Nikoma. That's a different conversation. Uh, we're losing you. Uh oh, we lost you. There's someone else on the line. I'll send them a. The audio is off. He just has to press. All I'm saying is that I don't know. Oh, just says like. 
what do you mean by it's not in the coma? If the way that I react to my being hurt is to try to get back at the person without being able to understand that this is, you know, <laughs> some whatever. However, that's the method I use to try to uh, sort of um, even the score, so to speak, and relieve my pain. That's Nakama. No, off the line, off the air. You hearing me? Yeah. Okay, but I'm not hearing you. You heard that, didn't you? Yes, but not anything before. If you want to repeat it, please. I have a very weak connection here. All I was saying is that all of this does not sound so much Nakama oriented as much as just your own personal, you're threatened, like you were saying before, but those aren't the main Zachters, not Nakama, I don't think. Well, what does Mr. Sashara mean by, you know, him in Levada to the fact that, quote unquote, somebody hurt me? If if I recognize the person is nothing, they cannot hurt me, everything that happens to me is orchestrated, and Hashem has many shluchim, and that particular person has essentially... On that, on that plane, right. there's so many... Rebbe, there's so many different tacts to take with this. There's so many... To any, anybody who hits me, as, as, as Simcha mentioned before, as Aryeh mentioned before, it's all from Hashem, I deserve this... Yeah, I, like I said, I've done the house that really he didn't even mean it in the first place, and he's not well. I mean, the Ramchal's talking about a specific case where you would feel that you should go and take revenge on this guy, maybe. And he's saying, like, he can't do it, you know, anything that was done to you is merely, he's just, it sounds like Shleach Hashem, that's it. Let's, let's grant, it's Lav Dafkin Nikama. There can be all kinds of reactions that I have. To things that's, that are that's, 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 uh, that's all I want. That's all I wanted to hear. Okay. Okay. That's fine. all I want to hear. Cause that's a different conversation. That's okay. much more open oriented and and much more and 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 I'm not trying to to. I mean, I, I agree with Simcha. I think Arya's presentation tonight was spectacular. It was. It really was. It was, it was something the, special. When you lash out at the kid that spilled the milk, it's not in the coma. Just frustration, which of course you can't admit to, so to speak. So you couch it in terms of, I'm entitled to yell at him to get him to stop this uh, bad behavior, and that's chinuch. So or sometimes we just don't know what else to do because they don't listen any other way. Right, and and we somehow um, decide maybe a little too quickly that it is worth um, using this method for the sake of gaining the control of a situation. Um, in light of the long-range effects that it has on us, on them, on the relationship. So, you know, that's a, that's a very common, like my Goldman said, understandable, quote-unquote, uh, experience. But nevertheless, the more that we're aware of what's really going on, the better we'll be able to have the right kind of thoughts and mindsets better than the wrong ones, the non-true one. I, I wanted to ask before, Rabbi. I wanted to ask before: Is that for our sake or for the kids' sake that we know what what the, what the nafkamina is? That why we're doing it? It will be best for ourselves, best for the other person, in this case, the child, and the best for the two of us together. 
Are children like dogs that they can sense your emotions? Yes, very much. <laughs> Why don't we say the other way around? Dogs are like children, they can sense your emotions. <laughs> yes, the children are very smart. It's uh, pretty bad either way. The children are very smart, but they may hide it better than the dogs because they're so smart that they're afraid of uh, losing their master's love and care. So they become compliant. Except okay, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this. There's so many open-ended... The child, the child justifies, the child blames themselves and says, the parent was right for doing that because I misbehaved because I'm really bad. That's one of the worst uh, effects of it. That helps them develop a negative uh, self-definition. Not my camera's not on. You probably have to click. Uh, there's a little thing to click. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. Uh, I have to wave to your daughter. Yeah. She's looking very lovely on the video. <laughs> we were happy I we got to that. see you twice today. Yes. And there's the big young man in the background, Yako. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> okay. Anything? Anything left to, to add to the conversation? Um, from the uh, Percal residence. <laughs> if now we can pause here, that's fine. Oh, no, I don't know. This this could go on forever. I mean, this is like we hope it will go once you open the can of worms of like it's not Nakaman, it's everything. It can literally just it's a whole nother sheer or six. Well, I guess the next step will be, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what 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 methods can we employ to help ourselves be accepting of the reality as Rabbi Goldman described it so as not to fall into the mindset of why should I and I'm not obligated to and what I'm doing is right how can we help ourselves not need to develop justification and rationalization and be able to be more accepting of the real truth of the situation that it's really hard for us and work from there so that, again that's every scenario is different like abbey children mostly it's frustration like abbey employees it's going to be a little bit you're intimidated by the job scenario and they could just be a horrible boss and you feel that they should be beholden to you because after all you you did stuff for them you don't get the proper respect like, I mean, every scenario here is different. There's no one, I wouldn't even say this is a thread that runs through them. There might be. Every scenario you know, sure is different. You, there might be some yeah, kind the one thread of that runs through them is, again, that, that you're, that, that, off of Afer, that's the run thread that runs through it if you're such a mensch, but you're not, I'm not, nobody is. <laughs> but maybe, it may vary on the individual of what situation really, like, gets to them but there may be a fundamental similar underlying cause that is brought out for different people by different situations. One person may be more vulnerable to the child parent, one may be more vulnerable to the spouse spouse, or maybe more vulnerable to the boss 
worker, but it may be coming in its real shorish from something that is similar to all of them. Just, you know, raising the possibility. Okay, I think it's a good pausing point. Thank you for asking with pausing. Thank you for your yeah. good help tonight. I was able to hear a lot. And uh, that was all thanks to your good assistance. Okay. We say a very good night to all. Uh, good night. Good night. Good night. Young lady and young man. Thank you. We're going to go. Young man. Simcha, Vinna.